Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast where we bring together top actors in the smart city arena, sparking dialogues and interactions around the stakeholders and themes most prevalent for today's citizens and tomorrow's generations. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and I hope you will enjoy this episode and gain knowledge and connections to accelerate the change for a better urban life. Smart in the City is brought to you by Babel Smart Cities. We enable processes from research and strategy development to co-creation and implementation. To learn more about us, please visit the Babel platform at babel-smartcities.eu. So today I'm traveling back to one of my favorite cities up north, uh, so to speak. Actually, we have had a different guest from the same city on one of our first episodes of the podcast. If there are any original listeners here or those who have heard it, it's episode number four. Um, and yes, it's the city of Helsingborg, Sweden. Um, I was uh, back then I was attending H22, where the whole city opened up and became a stage for innovation. And when I was there, I was also in I also attended a Urban Future for the first time, um, the the event that was being held there. And I attended a workshop with the guests today. And I've been thinking about it for the last couple of years, actually. So I was inspired by the leadership initiative initiative she spoke about. And because of that, I invited her to share today with you all um, a little bit of her insights and experiences. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Lisa Olsten. She's the Innovation and Transformation Director for the city of Helsingborg in Sweden. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, absolutely my pleasure. So um, I always like to start off the episode with a little teaser. Um, and so in episode number four, I asked Osa to describe Helsingborg in three words. And she chose bold, ambitious, and fun. And I'm wondering if you can add an additional three words that you would use to describe Helsingborg. Uh, transparent, I would say. Mm, good. Yeah. Good. Transparent. Any any additional words? Uh, what did you say? Bold, fun. Uh, and ambitious. Ambitious. Um, open. Open, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So, um, do you agree that Helsingborg is also very bold and ambitious and fun? Do you agree with her assessment? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I totally agree. Okay. <laughs> I also agree. <laughs> Perfect. Um, the really, really interesting uh, city initiatives also that you're getting into. And um, before we get into some of the work that you're doing um, now at the city, I would love to give the listeners a little bit more background into who you are, um, where did you come from, and how did you get here today? Okay, yeah. Um, I've always been working with uh, transformation. Uh, I have made uh, 20 plus years in the private sector, uh, working to uh, sort of create the future for different businesses. I've been mainly working in the media industry, in the banking industry, actually, before I came here. Um, right before I came to the city, I worked for the insurance uh, sector, running an innovation company and, and trying to change the mindset of insurance, going from being the one paying out money when something bad has happened uh, to instead focusing on preventing things to happen. Um, so we worked on different safety solutions to make sure that bad things don't happen. Um, and that's a big shift and sets things in a whole new perspective. 
uh, and you also need to work more across uh, collaborate to make that work. Uh, but as, as I get older, <laughs> I think it was more and more important to me to work with truly meaningful things. And I, I wanted to work with societal needs, uh, trying to help to rethink the way it works today. So I think it's really a privilege to work for the society. And it's, uh, um, I, I, I've never changed my decision to go from the private sector to the public sector. Uh, and today I'm working as a innovation and transformation director trying to help our nine different administrations and our eight municipality owned companies to to be good at challenging themselves uh, constantly both the way that they work and what they offer uh, out to the residents yeah so if i'm understanding correctly um you know, we we talk a lot about governments having silos, and you're in kind of the position to to transform the way governments are working from the inside out. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, so when I was in your workshop at Urban Future, um, you were telling a story about um how you were assigning challenges to like random departments in Helsingborg. Um, and I really, really love that story. And so I want to already just go ahead and dig into it. Would you mind telling also everyone else this, this very interesting story? <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to set the context, uh, I think everyone needs to understand that we are a politically uh, controlled organization. And, and that sometimes means that we become too silo-based because we are given tasks uh, and missions and, and then we are expected to act upon them. Uh, and, uh, and we need to work more cross-sector uh, through different sectors together to solve the, the true challenges that our residents are, are facing. Uh, and we can't like just look at the way that we are organized today. We need to look from the needs. Um, so what, what we did was that we, uh, with a little bit of help from uh, our statistic departments that analyzes facts and research reports and everything, really truly fact-based information, um, took, yeah, 15, 16 different citywide uh, challenges that we have that is truly everyone's responsibility to work with. Um, it's uh, questions like the climate questions and safety issues and uh, integration uh, aspects and such things. Um, and if we're going to solve those, we need to work cross-sectoral uh, to, to actually come up with the right solutions. And it, it needs to be everyone's responsibility. So we try to communicate those, uh, um, those city challenges in a way, and, and we actually put responsibility across different administrations. So for example, our culture department, maybe they didn't think that it was their responsibility to work with safety issues, for example. And we actually challenge them saying that it is your, it is your task to do that. Uh, so we hand it out <laughs> responsibility <laughs> in a way that I don't think they expected. Uh, and the first time they didn't get to choose, uh, we just handed it out. And the second time, um, 
we did that the, the, the year after they had realized that, okay, this is actually really good to put different perspectives on the really hard challenges that we have. So then they wanted to have different challenges, but the first year they, was actually, they were actually forced. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that was the thing you remembered. Yes, absolutely. I, I also, maybe you can give a couple examples. I think I remember that, um, for example, you gave like your tourism department or something, aging populations or, yeah. um, or, or something related to that. I don't know if you can give a couple of concrete examples. Yeah, but how to, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't I actually don't remember what examples I made, but, but we made our elderly administration worked together with uh, the cultural uh, administration on how to uh, cure loneliness, for example. Um, and they have never, we have never, never had that cross collaboration before in that sense. And we had some wonderful results of mixing competences and looking at things in totally different angles. Uh, and I think that it was an eye-opener for uh, many of the administrations, that when you let people in with different uh, aspects of things, then you have better solutions um, because we are pretty, yeah, <laughs> we think we know everything about our own area so that we all the solutions that we come up with is pretty narrow, I think. Um, and you, when you put another layer, someone who looks at it quite differently yeah, we have a totally different results uh, and try new things that we never would have done um, otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you were to kind of do it all over again, would you? And would you do it differently? Um, we we still do it. So, uh, but there are things that, of course, that we need to improve. Uh, I think we could be a bit tougher when we follow up the results. I think also we could be better at communicating the effects. Uh, so that's something that we are working on at the moment. It is important to actually show the true effects um, in a good and good way, both to everyone that works in the city, but of course also to the residents of the city. Uh, what was the results of this initiative? Uh, what was the effects? So that we need to improve, I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, what do you think um, in your role, you're working across departments, what do you think is the main determining factor on why people are being, why governments are working in silos and kind of the one determinant in breaking them out of silos? But I, I think the whole construction that um, our departments, they have their own political group that gives them all the missions, all the tasks they are and, mm -hmm. and the goals, sets the goals. And, and when they do that, that, that's something we need to, I think we need to have more common goals uh, to say that the whole city mm -hmm. have a, a common goal to uh, have more safety in the city or... Uh, to work with integration or unemployment and it's everyone's responsibility but when we the political side of it gives you one goal then you are focusing on that so more common goals I think that's important for the whole structure and and uh, but you, we, we can't just sit and wait for that so at the same time 
uh, we need to push this cross-sectoral innovation and um, for the, the responsibility side with different initiatives. Uh, and that's what we try to do with this, uh, the challenges, the citywide challenges that we are uh, working with. Um, but it is controversial because they are not politically decided. So it's, it's, it's quite controversial. Hmm. Uh, so what has the what has the feedback been from either the politicians or the also from the people working in the city? Um, different feedback. I think from all of the employees, it's very positive. It's uh, extremely positive because they feel that they, now they they work with uh, from the needs of the residents and not the way that we are organized. Uh, more purpose-driven. Yeah, work. it's purpose-driven. And yeah. it really, I mean, if I go outside here and ask one of our residents, uh, do you know how we are organized in the city? I mean, they don't care. Uh, so so <laughs> we don't, when we look at uh, different solutions, we also need not to care on how we are organized and, and just trying to solve the challenges that we have. But it's, it's very easy to go into, this is not my... Uh, this is not my area. I don't have budget for this or I can't, uh, my, my employees, they need to work with the missions we have been given from the politicians. Uh, it takes a lot from our leaders to go, to rise above that and, and take true responsibility for the question and saying, okay, it's not in my mandate, but I, uh, I will help. Um, so, um, I think when we when we try to transform the city, we actually work with three different layers, so to speak. We work with the culture, and the culture says that we need all to be enablers, and we need to be open, and we need to take responsibility, and we need to dare and test and do new things. We work with the capabilities uh, that that we know how to take on those challenges and how to work with them. And, and we work also with the third aspect and that's the structure. So we have been working really hard to have the same structure for the innovation work throughout the different administrations of the city. So it's easy to, if you have an ID, you know where to go and it's easy to get fundings from different administrations. And that's kind of a mechanism that helps us to work cross-sectoral. Um, and that has been really important for us. Yeah, really, really interesting work that you're doing with, with that. Well, you talked a lot about uh, or some about the responsibilities, uh, taking responsibility as leaders. And I'd like to dig more into the topic of leadership. This is a topic that I, I'm really passionate about and also one that we're exploring a lot more in the podcast. Um, I'm wondering from your experience what you think is kind of the defining element of success in leaders. Is it taking responsibility? What, what, what advice would you give to, to other leaders? The most important advice, I think, is to lead by example, because we can't just say stuff like uh, dare, test, do, uh, if, if we don't truly mean it. Um, so lead by example is really important. Uh, I think it's important to, uh, to understand that if we want to create a new future, and we must because of the challenges that we are facing in, in so many different areas. We need to say, take some bold and active decisions today. 
so we can't just sit and wait. We, we need to take actions today. Uh, and some of them decisions will be bold and they will be risky. And uh, uh, some of the decisions that we need to take, they, they won't succeed. So we need to accept failures. Uh, we need to accept that we don't have all the answers. And, and uh, I think that's a big step. Um, and many leaders of today, they are kind of, uh, I don't know if the right word is faster, but they are like, they come from a world where we use risk analysis and trying to remove mm -hmm. risks. And uh, uh, they always expect a result of every initiatives. And uh, Sweden is very democratic. So when we have taken a decision, we stick by it. Yeah. And and when you work with transformation and innovation, it's it's not those kind of mechanisms that will make us succeed. In, instead, we need to try new things and uh, we need to be open. And as a leader, you need to be humble enough to say that I don't have the, all the answers. Let's try it out. And, and that goes a bit <laughs> uh, against what you are taught. Uh, you are kind of taught to have all the answers and, and now it's, it's, not, it's the other way around. Uh, so we talk a lot about that. We have uh, leadership programs, management programs, and talk a lot about being humble and having no prestige and uh, be able to say, okay, I don't know. I actually don't know. So let's try it. Um, yeah, it's so important to to um, for for leaders to really embody this, this spirit of okay, I'm authority, I, I make a decision, I think, and then be willing to pivot very quickly yeah. when they see, yeah. okay, that didn't work, let's yeah. pivot. Yeah. Um, I also to ask for help. Sorry, I interrupted you. And ask for it, help, yeah. Yeah, but also to say that, okay, it's it requires a lot to say that, okay, this is my area. I work with the care of elderly people, but I need help. That is yeah. that also requires you to be quite humble and and saying that I need help from the private sector and I need help from different another administration. I can sit with this problem that we are facing at the moment that we have so much more elderly people in our city in the coming fifteen years, and we won't solve this by working the way that we are doing today. It's not impossible. It's an equation that doesn't it doesn't work and then you need to acknowledge that and saying that oh, we need help it can't be just a question for us we need help from all of you guys and and from from research and private sector and and everyone um yeah very very good uh, uh, advice for all the leaders out there uh what um we're seeing ai for example, taking over right now and transforming the way cities are working, the way organizations are working. Uh, I'm wondering what your perspective is on that and how that's, you know, kind of shaping the work that you do and the work that Helsingborg is doing. I think it will shape us immensely the coming years. And I think we, uh, we need to embrace it and we need to look at it from different angles. It's, it's not an uh, IT question, it's an H&R question uh, also. Uh, but we need to realize that we can't, we can't 
handle the climate changes without enormous technological ad advances. We cannot uh, take care of our elderly people within the city if we don't use technology. We have so many areas where we won't be able to, to handle our challenges if we, if we don't embrace. And the cost of not using AI is, is really, really high. Um, you can ask any, <laughs> any of the research institutes and they will say that the alternative cost of not using it is it's extremely high for, for the um, uh, public sector. So we need to embrace it uh, in, in, in all aspects and levels, but we also need to realize that, that it will be an, an HR question to kind of work with all of our employees seeing that some roles will disappear, but there will be new ones and, uh, and there will be a resistance from within the organization using new technology because work will disappear. Um, so it's also an H&R question of it that I don't think we talk about enough. Um, so it's, it's a complex question. Um, and I actually got that question the other day and they said that won't the challenge be that your residents won't be able to understand new technology or embrace it? And I said, I don't think that is the challenge at all. I think the challenges are internal in mm -hmm. our organization because our residents, they are really quick to adopt to new solutions that improve the quality of life. And I mean, it's... It's just too good to look at yourself. I think it's so much tougher when we have a new system at work and I complain about that. But in my private life, I just embrace everything that makes my, my life easier and more effective. And yeah. So, um, yeah, really interesting times to see how AI develops. Uh, are you using AI internally within uh, the, the council right now? Like how, in which ways are you using it? We are using it in many different ways. Uh, we uh, we have a lot of you know innovation initiatives that uses AI, and we work closely to different AI companies that are helping us. Uh, we are also building the capacity internally, um, and we're also using it more and more in our own work. I mean, I use Chat GPT every day in my work, and, and me too. <laughs> yeah. That's it would be stupid not to, um, mm -hmm. and we try and educate uh, everyone in the city how you can use it. And we've built our own small modules in ChatGPT that helps uh, with, yeah, from the smallest things to to really complex things. So uh, we try, um, and I think most of us realize that we really need to embrace this. Um, yeah, definitely. And do you have um, maybe a particular, usually we ask people working in cities about a particular project or use case that you, you would really like to highlight that might be helpful for, for others to learn from? You already told a great story, I know, um, that I asked of you, but maybe you also have something else that you want to highlight. Uh, a specific initiative that goes on. Um, Could be, we, yeah. Yeah, if we have. We have many. <laughs> yeah. And we actually, we, we also, I think the most important thing that we, I, I will give in a concrete 
example as well. But I think the most important thing that we do is that we are transparent and open. So we have all of our initiatives, all the failures we have made and all the success stories that we have, we are transparent with them. So we have an open database, uh, innovation.helsingborg.se, where we actually post everything. And we do that because we want to have synergies throughout the city, but also to lead by example, because if every city would do that, it would be fantastic because we can't think that we are the smartest people on earth because we are not. Uh, we need to look on what other cities are doing and get the help from them. And uh, we're not using the tax money, money in the right way if we are investing in everything ourselves. We need to learn from others. Yeah. So I think uh, that one is I, that I would like to send forward. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely, good that, message out there. Yeah, everyone actually posted and 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 dare to be open about the failures as well, uh, because that's what we learn from. And um, but if you want uh, a, an example, uh, because I guess that's fun to hear about as well. I have uh, an example that will showcase uh, outside my door in in just a bit, and that's. Um, and really important initiative because in, in Helsingborg, we have too many children that doesn't go through whole school. They, they don't pass school. And, and we know that not, not just for those uh, people and their families and for the whole society, it's really important that all children go through school. Uh, and now we have this, it's actually AI initiatives, uh, <laughs> initiative where we try to improve school operation and increase the chances of more people reaching upper secondary school by analyzing real large amounts of data on various factors that we previously didn't think had effect. Uh, and that's kind of, a um, we analyze so many different things, absence of the teachers, uh, staff turnover, sick leave, uh, uh, where the children live, where, where the people, where the parents live and all kinds of data we analyze to see early, early indicators on which students will not go through whole school. So we can do um, early actions to prevent that from happening. Uh, and if we succeed with that, I think all schools in, in uh, Sweden would be able to use that tool. So I'm implementing on 20 different schools in Helsingborg at the moment. And we hope that all schools in Helsingborg will have this tool. Um, um, yeah, I, uh, I think that's a really interesting initiative and, and also ties really well back into the AI topic. Yes. I also remembered something when you were speaking about, um, talking about failures that, uh, in house and book, you have an award for the biggest failure. Am yeah. I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That's I can't true. remember if that was you that told, that told that story or if it was someone else, but I think there have been some pretty funny ones as well, right? Yeah, there has been really funny ones. And, <laughs> and it's, I mean, of course, it's not the mistake that we're celebrating. We are celebrating the learnings we get from the mistake. Uh, so that's important, but it's also a kind of a, a statement that we allow mistake. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes because that's how you learn. And from all the research reports that 
at the moment they are saying the new kind of leadership is uh, is uh, to focus on psychological safety uh, where you are allowed to uh, to fail and to not have the answers and and th- those are the organizations that do really well it's organizations where you have this psychological safety where it's okay to speak out and and such things so um it's also actually research based that it's good <laughs> to have this kind of culture uh so every year we celebrate someone who has made a big mistake <laughs> uh, and the learnings from it so i don't know if you wanted an example or uh, i mean if you want to give an example i think i think you gave one that was really funny last time i, I can't remember what it was exactly but <laughs> oh, yeah it was uh, uh i i think i t- we gave an example that was a couple of years ago where our um uh elderly administration i don't know if it's called that in english but i i guess you know what i mean they had the idea to uh, purchase a driver's license to uh, 25 employees that drives around and help elderly people in their home they they ride a bike and they clean their homes they help them with medicine and food and such things um so they went out and purchased 25 i think it was driver's license so that they could drive a car instead but the problem was that uh for once they hadn't they hadn't realized that if they can't just give a driver's license it costs a lot of money in sweden to take a driver's license so they would be uh, given extra tax <laughs> and the other thing was that nobody wanted a driver's license they hadn't asked them do you want a driver's license so they turned it down every single one of them because they liked to ride the bike they gave it gave them time in the nature it was uh, making them more healthy they got time to relax and and they liked the bike more so they didn't want any driver's license <laughs> so the lesson here is uh, once again you have to look at the needs and uh, from the users what do they want uh, and they didn't do that at all they just uh, thought they had all the answers and and uh, yeah so, so the, the cost story is <laughs> yeah ask first right <laughs> ask first and do the research first what is the true pl- problem here and did they really want this or not uh, and they didn't <laughs> So, yeah, really, really good example. Um, so now we get to the open floor. I don't know if you have anything else that you really want the listeners to know um, that we didn't touch on yet today. Is there anything else that you you really want to uh, yeah, shout about today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> regarding the way that we work in Helsinki or, or anything, anything. anything. Yes. Um, Oh, it's a tough question. There's so many things. <laughs> that, you also don't have to take the open floor. I just always give uh, it as an option. That way you well, feel like you got I, everything I could, out on the table. So, I, I, If I have a couple of minutes, I, I could say that we always put three perspectives in Helsingborg on the way that we work. Um, we, we look upon innovation and transformation from three angles. We say to everyone here that we we need to have ID-driven innovation, and and that means that it's allowed for anyone to come with an ID. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, a company or uh, 
resident or an employee, they need to know where to go if they have a new idea of how to make this city better. And then they need to be well taken care of when they come with that idea and everyone uh, needs to be able to ask for funding and and such things. Mm -hmm. So that's an important aspect of the work here idea-driven innovation. But then we can't just rely rely upon that. So we also need to work what we call challenge-driven innovation. And that was what we talked about before, that we actually point out the big, hard, tough challenges that we have in our city and that we are transparent about them and that we take responsibility for them cross-sectoral. So the safety questions of the city is everyone's responsibility. The climate question is everyone's responsibility. Uh, so that's what's challenge-driven innovation is really about and where we also are transparent on which areas we need help because we don't sit with all the answers. So if we don't tell the world where we have problems, we can't get that help either. And the third perspective is what we call possibility-driven innovation. And that's that we need to steal more things from others that they have proven is effective. And it's, it's nice to steal. <laughs> we, don't, we don't sit with all the answers. There are possibilities out there that we need to embrace and quickly implement in Helsingborg. And the other aspect of possibility-driven innovation is that we need to look about a new technology as possibilities. You talked about AI before. Then we need to show what can you do with AI? What can you do with IoT? What can you do with all these new things that blockchain, for example? And then the different administrations of the city, they can match that with their needs. But if they don't know what you can use a sensor for, they can't match it. We can't expect our teachers to know that stuff or uh, other people with, that works in the city or our residents for that matter. So we need to show the possibilities of new technology. Really, really interesting. So we have idea-driven, challenge-driven, and possibility-driven innovation. Yeah. I love those aspects. I, I think I'm going to steal that for, for different things <laughs> as well. By the way, I like to call, um, we talk a lot about replication on the podcast and also in our work as Babel as well, and kind of this possibility-driven innovation, I like to call also like copy, edit, paste. Yeah. When we're talking, yeah, like copy something, edit it for your own um, context, and then paste it into, into the city. So, um, really cool. So that's the, that's the end of the main interview segment, but we have our short segment that we, we like to play around with now. Um, the one we chose for you is very fitting, I think, to, to also what we spoke about today and it's called trial and error. Trial and error. What went wrong? What mistakes were made along the way? And more importantly, what lessons were learned? I think we already dug into a lot, but I want to put a, a leadership twist on it, like leadership fails and wonders. So it, what leadership fails have you seen, or if you want to have made, um, if, if you want to be bold and put that out there mm -hmm. for yourself, um, or, or what, and what lesson, what were the main lessons that came from that? Yeah, I think... Uh, our biggest challenge is uh, uh, <laughs> that 
may sound strange, but the big obstacles that we have in our organization is uh, middle management, and we sometimes forget them because we are very focused focused on um, working with the high level uh, leadership through the city and making them truly understand why it's important to work with these is- issues and yeah. and we make them understand and then we kind of empowers the people uh, on the ground the, all of the employees saying that you can come with your ideas you can we can um, you can ask for funding and uh, we will free resources and we will do all this stuff and and then we haven't kind of committed it on their closest uh, leader, uh, and that's mm-hmm. where it fails. Uh, so that's the thing that we have learned the hard way. <laughs> and I have so many examples of that where we have <laughs> really, really, really good ideas and uh, the top management says yes. And the, uh, and, uh, the people that are committed to it, they are, they just want to do the work. And then we have middle management that's said, no, this is not in my budget and this is not in my area and you shouldn't work with that. It's, it's a truly good idea that would change a lot of things, but I need you to do this instead. I think that's the most tricky part that we have and where we have failed. I have so many examples and I can't out those <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> someone might listen and, and it's not fair, but, but that's the true tricky part of it i think i have yeah really good example from this week i could like <laughs> tell you but but it's uh, it feels wrong to out <laughs> the initiatives <laughs> i understand i understand do you understand what the difficulties i mean uh, it's yeah uh, yeah this mismatch um, it's mismatch and and we <laughs> have forgotten to really um to really commit have the commitment all the way down. We have the commitment from the bottom and from the top, but not in the middle. Not in the middle, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, really good lesson. Thank you. Yeah, it for is, because they yeah. need to accept that if we're going to make this work, we need they need to free time. You can't expect people to run initiatives at the same time you're doing your normal work. You can't be both a math teacher, be a teacher and do an really radical innovation work that will change the school at the same time. You can't expect people to do that. And then you need to free their time. Uh, mm. And that power to free time is often in the hands of their leader. Uh, yeah, really interesting. I've never actually thought about that before. So yeah, thank you. Also, you, you're bringing to life for myself also lots of ideas and situations where where some of these things have happened so thank you for sharing uh one of the, the the very last question and it's the question that we ask every single guest is to you what is a smart city um i i think a smart city is uh is a city that is open and embraces uh, new ideas that make the city more resilient, more sustainable, and more caring. 
Very good definition. I just love asking it because we get so many different perspectives from people's walks of life. So yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. Um, that's all I have for you today. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed our little conversation and I've learned a lot from you. And I know our listeners will also take a lot of uh, really good lessons from you. So thank you so much. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, don't forget you can always create a free account on Babladesh Smart Cities to find out more about smart city projects, solutions, and implementations. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life.